And as always, we'd like to thank our partners, Firebird Rising and the beautiful game network, BGN. You can go to their websites to see more of their content at firebirdrising.coreair, that's K-O-R-R-A-I-R.com, or at bgn.fm. And let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns here with Matt Trainer and Jeff Went once again. And uh, a pretty fun, pretty dramatic game to talk about. So do we want to get started on that? Yep, let's get started on uh, this week's match against uh, Orange County. Uh, boys came out in a 4-4-2 diamond formation again this week. Um, interesting to see once again... We see Vasquez on the left, we see Cody Wakasa on the right, and we see Amadou Dia in the middle again with Peter Ramage. i concerned a little bit about this back four just for the simple fact that, to me, Dia is playing out of position at this point. You know, Dia is more of a left-back runner. Maybe Patrice is seeing something that we're not seeing that, that makes him better in that center, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes from there, so... So in the diamond, you had Miguel Tim as, as the, the back. You had Matt Watson. Gavin was on the right. And then Sean Wright Phillips was up top with, with Drogba and, and Bravo being the, the attacking forwards on the top. So. so coming right out the bat, OC tries to catch Phoenix Rising sleeping there. Uh, Fernandez tries to make a run on them, but just gets offside behind uh, behind the defensive back four. Nice uh, nice play in the fifth minute. Nice, nice set of moves. Uh, from Drogba to Sean Wright Phillips to Bravo, uh, and he gets it to Watson. Unfortunately, the shot from Watson gets blocked. Then, it, then the, the you know the teams kind of settled in for the next about ten minutes or so. Uh, it was a nice header on goal in the thirteenth minute that got saved by uh, Charlie Lyon. Uh, we get to the eighteenth minute, the dangerous cross from Amadou Dio, which I thought was a beautiful play to the back post for Omar Bravo. Fortunately, Charlie Lyon just barely got over there in time to get it, and. Uh, knocked it out for a corner uh, interesting couple minutes later Sean Wright Phillips got taken down in the box no call I, I, I thought that was a pretty close play to where it could have been you know could have been a penalty call but but didn't get it I know he was appealing for it but I think that would have been soft it might have been soft we've had we've had soft ones called against us yes yes we have so uh, get to the 23rd uh, Drogba Nice, uh, nice flick in to Bravo, whose header just goes off the top of the crossbar. Nice play, nice connection between the two of them. We've kind of seen better connections between the two of them the last couple of weeks, so uh, that was good to see. Get into the 36th minute. Uh, OC finally has a little uh, play for them. A team, a team gets a gets a a ball across in, and it just missed uh, for a corner there. Uh, Drogba had a free kick a minute later, just missed. Just missed on that one. Charlie Lyon, what a save on that ball. I mean, 40 yards out, and, and Drogba's chipping it and almost caught Charlie Lyon off his line and, and barely tips it over for a corner. So that, that may be something you may see in the saves of the week later on this week. Then about five minutes later, what a, what a great play. Uh, Josh Cohen, you know, after a, a weak save attempt, you know, quick kick, get it out. Drogba gets it one touch, turns. On target though, Lyon gets the save. You know, it, but that's something that that I think in the last few weeks we've gotten a lot better at. When you think about it, it's been good clearance. It's been good plays. Sorry guys, hang on. No, this is fun. I think this adds character. So, but yeah, just just to go off, uh, maybe uh, if we want to talk for a second, uh, Matt, what were some of your thoughts from the first half? Because one of one of mine was I was thinking Omar Bravo uh, was getting into some great spaces throughout the first half, uh, and I think we've both noticed there's been a huge uh, step up in production from him over the last month. And even though it didn't quite get rewarded in a goal, did you notice he was getting in great spaces? 
He was uh, creating some opportunities. Um, you know, like, like you said, he wasn't able to uh, capitalize on those and convert them to goals, but he was creating some chances there. And we've seen that improvement the past few weeks uh, since Drogba came on. And in particular, I think that run in the 18th minute, that was a fantastic run. Um, you know, honestly, just a brilliant defensive play to clear that ball. But those weren't the runs he was making earlier in the year. Earlier in the year, the ball would be a little off or he would just be a step behind. And now now it's all clicking. Uh, great ball from Dia. But, you know, everywhere but the scoreboard, I felt like we were playing very well that first half. Yeah, I definitely agree there. Jeff, did you want to add anything? Your thoughts on the first half? I thought, you know, like I, like I was like I was saying there at one point, you know, I thought the the connections were a lot better. I think that, you know, what we're what we've been seeing as of late now with the addition of Didier Drogba, for whatever reason, early in the season it wasn't working for Omar Bravo, but it seems to be working for Didier Drogba to be able to get the ball to him on a long kick, to be able to control it, and to be able to make plays out of that. I mean, you saw the early play in the fifth minute. You know that uh, that Drogba was able to to get started. You saw the plays that Sean Wright Phillips was starting to build up in the midfield. And these were things we weren't seeing four or five weeks ago. You know, before Drogba made his you know inter, you know was introduced into the lineup. So I you know to me I, I I think distribution has been a lot better these last few weeks. And I you know I can't tell you how it opens up the game and. And I think what the biggest thing is to be coming up in the next couple of weeks is if and when we get Alessandro Rigi back into the lineup, that is going to open things up immensely even more. I mean, you, if you can get an Amadou Dia that could that would play on the left and run down the left to overlap with Rigi, I mean, you would have so much speed on that side. If you had Sean Wright Phillips in the middle, I mean, this 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 could be a dangerous, potent offense moving forward if if that lineup were to show up. So, Rigi might be the uh, missing piece to the puzzle there to uh, get us a win. Yeah, we certainly could have used to spark some of his creativity. Right off the bat, obviously, you know, with the late uh, play on Sean, with Sean Wright Phillips shot there late in the first half, uh, Eric Avila has to get subbed on for him. So. Unfortunately, you hated to see that, but you know he comes on first ten, twelve minutes of the of the second half. Very kind of still, you know, it's still in that feeling out kind of process. Uh, OC makes the first move on the fifty eighth minute. Uh, Fernandez gets a shot off, Cohen with a nice save. Uh, come back four minutes later, Via Lobos gets a shot off, and Cohen saves that one and knocks it out for a corner. Phoenix Rising doesn't get its first chance until the 66th minute. They're a dangerous free kick for them on with 25 yards out. Uh, Drogba hits it, but knocks it right on target to Charlie Lyon. Easy save for him. Uh, 67th minute, then Gavin hits a nice ball to Bravo. It, get knocked, it gets knocked out for a corner. Uh, Bravo gets another header a minute later, but it goes just wide, even though they called him offside. I thought... I didn't really think he was offside on that play because I think the flag was more for for Didier Drogba on that play than it was for Bravo. But, you know, it, they called it what they called it. And then we get to the interesting part of the match in the 79th minute. A couple of hard fouls on Omar Bravo. Bravo, Bravo gets taken down. And then the pushing and shoving begins. And Didier Drogba interjects himself into it. And fortunately enough, guys, it's amazing that Drogba walks away with just a yellow after everything he did on that play between getting into the referee's face, getting into the fourth official's face, pushing guys while the referee's trying to sort everything out. I mean, unbelievable that he only walks away from a yellow with a yellow card from this uh dominic your thoughts on that little exchange yeah so this was this was pretty interesting i went back and rewatched it uh this morning because i i was pretty confused as i'm sure many watching the game even at the stadium were in lifetime and so here's here's what happened i mean first even before the contact on drogba or the, the contact on Bravo that set this whole chain reaction off. Um, a couple of minutes earlier, I think um, Wulito Fernandez 
gave Drogba a really bad, really late foul, and it totally deserved a yellow card, and it did not get a yellow card. That was, I think, in the 74th or 75th minute. Then two minutes later, you get the other foul. Uh, this is Mias, and that was on Bravo, and it was bad. I mean, the ref has no choice but to give a yellow there, and the thing is, they were both dirty fouls. They aren't like, oh, accidental, going for the ball. They were both, quite frankly, BS fouls. Like, just, just stupid stuff. Just Bush League. So, Drogba has every right to be upset. So, he, he goes in. Maybe he doesn't have a right to be as, as upset as he was. But he goes in. Here's the other thing, too. So, right at the beginning, Mias is going into Drogba's face. And he's the first one that gives the shove. And he gives a couple shoves. And, uh, and you know, Drogba kind of pushes him aside. Uh, maybe gives him a little push, too. And then... The discussion keeps going for a while, and I, I, I don't know why the discussion kept going for a while, but the thing is, Mias shoved Drogba those two times after he received a yellow card. So that was enough to get sent off. In all honesty, if you're refing by the book, the tackle was bad enough for a yellow card, and then he's the one that shoved Drogba twice before Drogba did anything in response. That's, if you're just looking at the rule book, that should be a red card you should be off. So I think that's why Drogba was very upset, and I think that's what the next two minutes were about. And then Drogba receives a yellow card for protesting against the refs. And you have to remember, nil-nil game, if we go a man up, that makes a huge difference. So Drogba's trying to win the game too. But then he gets the yellow, and then he keeps going on and on. And actually, Tim has to pull him away, um, fortunately. I mean, that's, that's Drogba's second yellow in two weeks now. And I think both times he could have been sent off and maybe if he was a lesser player he would have been sent off so that brings up an interesting question are you guys okay with drug well I, sh- I shouldn't phrase it that way the question we put on our twitter page is uh does drogba's on-field behavior uh bother you yeah i definitely understand his frustration i don't necessarily agree when he started uh pushing the referee right you know it wasn't necessarily a good move there um and then i don't know if you also caught that at the end of the match uh when drogba came up to the referees to give him a handshake he gave the handshake to the assistant referee and he came over to uh malik uh dobby or i believe is his name and just totally you know kind of uh snubbed him there with the handshake and walked right past him so you know Kind of, I kind of chuckled a little bit when I saw that, but um, you know, would have maybe liked to see him come back with a cooler head after all that and kind of put that in the past, be the bigger man at that point. But uh, again, I can definitely understand the frustration. Yeah, def- definitely, definitely a big frustration level there. And I, like, I, like you said, Dominic, I think it was great of Miguel Tim to just step in there and and keep walking him back and keep walking him back and just calm him down cool the head remember we don't need to lose you and go down a man this this late in the match I mean you're still nil nil at this point and and you you know let's let's save it and thank thank God for him (laughs) let's put it that way yeah and I think I think there's a lot to unpack there too this might just be my final thought before we get back to the crazy on-field stuff that happened the last 10 minutes there's a lot to unpack in this situation because Orange County had two players sent off last week for red cards. And so you, they already have this impression of being, a, you know, like a rough team, a team that's willing to get at it with the opposition. And opponents have, they've, uh, you know, given Drogba some tough fouls. And what this does is shows the opponents, hey, look, this, you know, maybe uh, we can upset him enough to get him sent off one of these matches. Now refs are going to be looking for something, looking for an excuse to send him off. You know, maybe in the past he was given the benefit of the doubt, but after seeing the behavior he had last night, I mean, I'm okay with it because it also shows he's standing up for his teammate. But if he keeps acting like that, if he, if he gives in when people are trying to prod him, it could hurt us down the road. And, and honestly, I think the ref needed to take charge there. I think um, Mia should have been sent off before anything else happened. And then, but I mean, also if you're roughing by the rules, I think Drogba could have been sent off because he had a yellow already. And then, as uh, Matt said, he he pushed the ref, which, I mean, that's an automatic card right there. Um, And, you know, if it's 10 on 10, it's probably the same result. It probably ends up being a draw anyways. But uh, at least we get to see Drogba at home next week, so that's a relief. But 
Yeah, so now we go from worrying about Bravo getting, you know, getting in arguments with the referees, and now we're worried about Drogba. So just switched roles there. (laughs) (laughs) And did you notice Drogba walked away immediately after that foul? Because he didn't even, he must have been aware of the next card as a suspension. Yeah. And Drogba took over the lobbying the ref. Bravo, to his credit, walked away immediately. Yeah. So we get into the, the most interesting parts of the match. 83rd minute. I know some people on Twitter were saying that, you know, trying to drum up that uh, this was a bad call on Josh Cohen. Unfortunately, it was the right call. Josh Cohen, while he did handle the ball on the inside of the box, did step outside and still was controlling the ball. Unfortunately, that's going to be the free kick lining up right there right at the edge of the 18. And Muse steps up, nails it past Cohen low on the on the uh, on the left-hand side and it's one nothing orange county and you're thinking just great we've worked 84 minutes you know we were we're we're in line for a draw and now we're looking at staring at zero points instead of one so we get into late in the match uh carterone makes two substitutions bringing in Eder Ariola for for matt watson brings on aj gray for blair gavin i thought both those guys played a good match you know, I thought Gavin stepped up pretty well in his role playing on that on that on the right hand side. I, you know, I thought he controlled a lot of the play. You know, in the ten minutes that AJ Gray played, he he commanded that position as well, which really makes you feel good that that they're starting to find the roles that that some of these guys you know are, are fitting into. But so in the 87th, uh, Avila makes his presence known. Uh, with a shot just over the top. And we get into stoppage time. Uh, 92nd minute, Drogba had a nice uh, half volley and turn, just knocked it right over the bar. Bravo comes back the next minute later, gets it to Drogba, and he misses the volley on that one. Then we get the play in the 94th minute where A.J. Gray gets fouled. Good call. I know know they were saying it was a little soft, but it was the right call. A.J. Gray had control of the ball. He got clipped from behind, sets it up 25 yards from goal. Didier Drogba steps up. And I love the Orange County announcers saying, he's looking tired, boys. I don't think he's going to hit this one. And what does he do? He hits it nice. Charlie Lyon has no chance. Didier Drogba saves the day 1-1. What are your thoughts, Matt? That pre-kick was beautiful. I'm going to have to repost the, the video from a fan who was sitting behind the net on that one so you guys can get that angle of it. It, it was a better better view than the USL broadcast. Um, but overall, I, you know, I thought Phoenix, again, kind of continued to struggle to capitalize on some of these opportunities. Yeah, they're creating more opportunities, but we need to take advantage of these. And, you know, granted, the last few matches have been against uh, some pretty tough opponents. Another draw isn't bad. They kept Charlie Lyon really busy last night. We had uh, 18 shots, five on target, and then the one goal from Drogba from his free kick. Um, I thought the back line looked pretty good. Some slight improvements there. You know, I was kind of hoping to see Jason Johnson at least be subbed on. Didn't see him in there. Not really sure why he's not playing. Um, kind of like how we also talked, it would be be nice to maybe see Regi soon. He would add that extra spark. Um, so maybe with Regi and Johnson in the lineup, I don't know how you fit both of those guys in there. wasn't bad. I was kind of, you know, in the middle of the second half, I was starting to kind of just expect a, another 0-0 draw. Kind of lucky to walk away with the draw there after giving up the uh, the free kick to, uh, to Orange County late in the game. What are your thoughts, Dominic? And maybe I alluded to this a little earlier, but... Um... I would say the first half was one of our best halves of soccer this entire season. Even though it didn't result in any goals, uh, the way that we were dominating shots, shots on target, um, creating brilliant opportunities for Bravo and for others, for Drogba as well, um, we were just in control. I think this might have been our back four's best game of the season, in all honesty, because the one goal, I mean, that's not really their fault at all. It's, It's Cohen, who didn't even need to come out that fast, who could have just kicked it or punched it away to safety. And he's he sets them up for that free kick, and then they just get the goal um, because he can't cover the far post. Um, it's kind of a tough one to take, but, I mean, otherwise, from open play, they were doing very well. Um, and then, you know, attacking-wise, 
yeah, it's it's frustrating to not have some of these chances go in. Um, some credit has to be given to Charlie Lyon, who I think they had a stat up that said he had nine shutouts in all competitions this year. Uh, I know he was in the Sounders 2 organization, um, and so he's one of the better USL keepers. I saw him in preseason when we played them, and he shut us out in that occasion. So he's definitely one of the better keepers. You'll see uh, a lot of experience, and it showed. But, I mean, the, that free kick, moments like that are what we signed Drogba for. Um, you know, what he did in that moment, you have to go back to the game against Swope where he scored two goals. The first goal was just a perfect finish to save us there. Uh, even going back to the Vancouver game, um, the way he won the ball and then set Sean Wright Phillips up for the winning goal, he is that X factor for us. Um, my friend was referring to the Drogba difference after that free kick, and uh, you know that's a game where without Didier, I think we really lose a frustrating one nil game. Um, I used to call those the Sunderland special because it seems like uh, March, April every season for any of you Premier League fans. They'd always be like in the relegation zone, and then they just pull these one nil against the run of play wins out of their butt and stay in Premier League before they finally went down last year. But uh, yeah, but thankfully we get something from it, and we, you know, we're coming home. Very winnable game. So uh, you'd like to get the win there, but I think taking four points from the last four matches, even if there weren't any wins in there, I think that's still very fair, considering the degree of difficulty for those opponents. Yeah, I totally agree there. Uh, you know, it's, it's huge, obviously huge to get points on the road, whether it's a draw or whether it's a win. It's obvious, always a, a positive result coming coming back. You know, some of the interesting things that caught me, you know, 18-7 shots on, you know, shots that we took in the match. I mean, I, I don't think it's it's been a while since I've seen such a great number as that, that we're actually putting shots out there you know granted only five on target one in the net which is fine that's you know you're, you're gonna have days like that but just to see the fact that we're possessing the ball better we're shooting more because we have better possession that's that can only be positive going forward like i said at the beginning I, i'm still concerned about the back line a little bit um ramage didn't make it easy there for Cohen to make that play in the second half that unfortunately resulted in the goal. You know, I'm a little concerned right now for Ramage. It seemed like ever since he picked up that injury uh, about three weeks ago when he had to be subbed out in the first half, he hasn't seemed like he's the same player that, that he was earlier in the season. That's a little concerning if you are a, a team that's going to tend to lean on him a lot more than other people. You know, like we talked, is it you know is it time that we start seeing Uchenna Uzo back there again? His physical presence as he's always been. Uh, what's what's the status of Jordan Stewart? We haven't seen Jordan Stewart now for the last couple of games. Is he falling out of favor on that back line? You know, I I think right now the only while it sounds strange, the only mainstay of the back four right now seems to be Cody Wakasa, which everybody sit, tends to talk negatively about but it seems like for whatever reason he's the mainstay right now uh, amazing as it is but it's a good point we come back home for Colorado Springs which just as a, as a heads up to the fans 8 o'clock start they have decided it looks like if you looked at the schedule on Phoenix Rising's website they have pushed all the summer games in July and August back to 8 o'clock so that will help alleviate some of the heat issues on the fans you hope the heat will still be up enough to where it plays an effect on on teams that come into town um but colorado springs comes into town on the heels of a 2-2 tie uh yesterday against vancouver uh vancouver had the 2-0 lead with goals from sauner and bustos but Kachner and and Freighter come back in the second half with goals, tie the score, and, and give Colorado Springs a point. This is going to be an interesting match. I mean, they're five points ahead of us in the standings. You know, that's... But I think they've played the most matches of anyone in USL. I think they were already at 18. Yep, they have at 18. Tampa Bay is also at 18. 
right now. You know, so I mean, obviously we have plenty of games in hand against them, um, but for whatever reason, over the past couple of years, we cannot seem to solve the mystery of Colorado Springs, and hopefully. Patrice Carterone can take a look at the tape and find something to exploit and uh, and and get us a win, you know, at home this week. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are, Dominic. I'll start with you. There's really to to make this as clear as possible. This is going to be one of the teams we are in direct competition for for those playoff spots, like the six through eight, five through eight spots. Um, they are at 24 points through 18 matches played. Six wins, six losses, six draws. Very definition of mediocrity. And uh, this might be painful to hear. Goal difference of zero. Uh, we have five wins, five losses, four draws. So we're basically right there on pace with them. Um, the point difference just comes down to how many matches that both of our teams have played. But this is the kind of game at home, really, we just need to capitalize on the home field advantage We've had very tough matches the last month. And just get this big win, because those three points, if we can get them and keep them from getting any points, it could make all the difference come uh, September, October. Another thing, too, to mention, Colorado Springs is on a pretty... They aren't on a great run of form right now. They, uh, they drew against Vancouver. That's a team that's not going to make the playoffs this year, uh, realistically speaking. Um, and then they lost the match before that, uh, to I believe was it Tulsa? I, they they lost a pretty underwhelming one nil match the week before against a team that they really should have beat. Uh, oh, it was RGV. They beat or they lost to RGV at home, and RGV is also outside of the playoffs right now. So it's definitely a game we can win. But I mean that's what I was saying about Orange County, and uh, now we just need to, you know take better advantage of the opportunities, maybe get Rigi in the lineup and get those three points. I don't think there's uh, anything else to be said. Uh, interesting comment you have there about, you know, Phoenix being on pace with Colorado Springs when you take into account the number of matches Colorado has played so far. I took the uh, kind of the weighted average of points per game between the two teams just to kind of balance it out given the schedule. And Phoenix is uh, at 1.35 points per game and Colorado is 1.33. So they're pretty much right on par with each other, like you said. Another interesting thing that I I noticed is that Colorado Springs is third in the USL for fouls conceded and second overall in the USL for yellow cards. So maybe that comes into a factor for the next match and uh, we get to see some more awesome Drogba free kicks. Can we get a penalty kick? Like, Can we have one game where we get a penalty and the other team doesn't? That would be great. That would be really damn awesome. Please. (laughs) Yes, Yes, it would be. Uh, some players to watch for Colorado Springs. Uh, Mistanabal, uh, catcher, has five has five goals on the season. Kevin Frater has four. Jordan Burt has four. Uh, Aaron King has three goals on the season. Uh, Josh Suggs leads with three assists, along with Frater and catcher. Their main goalkeeper is Moise Puati, who has uh, 51 saves in 14 appearances so far this year. So those are some of the guys to kind of keep an eye, keep your eye on. Uh, they have conceded 28 goals, which is quite a, quite a bit for the season. So that's got to give you some hope. Like you said, top two in the league in in uh, fouls conceded, top two in the league in yellow cards. So you got to think if you can get on the upper hand on them three points should should be able to be to be had here so one thing that might work in our favor too um we've actually been doing pretty well at grinding out these kind of home wins um against the teams that are kind of middle of the pack in the western conference i mean we got blitzed by reno but reno's looking like they're going to finish top four um and we drew monarchs but i mean we beat oklahoma city that was a dramatic game we beat vancouver uh, we beat galaxy two at home uh, just grinded out those victories, and uh, I think I think we have a pretty good chance to do that again. That I, that I do believe we do. So that'll conclude the first part of our show to talk about uh, what happened in the USL this week. We uh, get to the part of the show now where we talk about the uh, week in review for the USL. Uh, we'll start off with Monday's action. 
I don't know what to make of this result, guys. Um, but Dominic, I'll let you start on this one. Reno nine, L.A. nothing, which is the biggest margin of victory ever in a USL match. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, what is there to think? I mean, Los Dos is just a dumpster fire, and Reno has been the hottest team in USL the last two months. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a uh, sports car going up against a smart smart car. I mean, who's going to win that battle? But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a bloodbath from the beginning. Um, Reno gets an own goal in the third minute, and that's a sign of things to come. Um, Dane Kelly gets on the board in the eighth minute, uh, and then three nil after eleven minutes. They added to it before halftime, twenty uh, fifth minute penalty, and then no mercy for the Galaxy two in the second half. Morel starts it in the second half, making it five nil. Um, Matt Lagrassa gets in on the action. I mean, they were really spreading the love around, uh, letting all sorts of different people score. Uh, Weehan gets seventy six minute goal completes the hat trick in the 84th and then Darwin Espinal as a sub comes on makes it nine and the thing is there were I mean if you see the highlights for this Reno could have scored more uh, the galaxy keeper for that game um, uh, Lopez he actually made a couple decent saves it, it sounds ridiculous but Eric Lopez prevented it from being double digits it could have been worse Reno had 20 shots, 12 on target. Los Dos has 8 and 2. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, Reno is on fire right now. And to me, granted, Los Dos had a very second string lineup, but I think that still shows how important our nil-nil draw was over there and how impressive a result that was. Los Dos is adding more fuel to that dumpster fire, too. Right now they're playing Timbers 2. Just went into halftime, and it's 2-1. Galaxy just got a late goal right before the half. But, uh, yeah, they just continue to fall apart there, and that is a battle for last place in the Western Division right now. With uh, what was a goal differential combined? Negative 45 or somewhere? <laughs> Go Copa figure. del Basura. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. Well, we get into Tuesday with uh, Charleston getting a 3-1 win over Pittsburgh on Wednesday. St. Louis and Rochester drew nil-nil. Salt Lake City on Wednesday gets the first of two wins on the week, a 3-1 victory over Oklahoma City. Chandler Hoffman with a pair of goals there, leading Salt Lake on the charge. Uh, Thursday, Tampa Bay uh, had a 2-0 win over FC Cincinnati. That was an interesting game in the fact that that game had gotten delayed almost two hours by a a violent rainstorm that happened over there in, in Florida, but they were able to get the match off. Uh, Tampa Bay getting the win there. We move into Saturday's action. Richmond had a one nothing win over Harrisburg. Charleston, a 1-1 draw with Louisville. Toronto, one nothing over Ottawa. Orlando, a 0-0 draw with Pittsburgh. We talked about the Colorado Springs draw with Vancouver, 2-2. Uh, Charleston had a 5-1 win over St. Louis. Surprising there. Tulsa gets a 2-1 win over Oklahoma City. Tulsa getting back on the board with a win. Uh, Calistri and Kaffa with goals for Tulsa there. Uh, Daniel Gonzalez with the goal for Oklahoma City. But I tell you what, seeing seeing Tulsa get that win put put them right back in the playoff race. Yeah, that's that's a really eye-opening result, uh, Oklahoma Derby match. Uh, Tulsa was down 1-0 at halftime there. And, uh, you know, the Tulsa of last year would have folded, but they battled back. And I believe that puts them in the eighth spot right now. That's going to be one of the teams that we're actually playing in a couple weeks. We are going to be in direct competition with them for those last spots. Um, So interesting to see that they are on a decent run of form now. That's two consecutive wins. Um, Could be another tough road match. But first things first, Colorado Springs. That is true. And, and and in two weeks you'll get to see some of the coolest jerseys in all of USL, by the way. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Uh, Swope Park Rangers. Yeah, that's fair. Swope Park Rangers get a 4 nothing win over Rio Grande Valley. Uh, Swope has really turned it around lately. Uh, this makes uh, four wins in a row now after the draw uh, against us. Uh, goals from Iwasa, Gonzalez, Molito, and, and Storm, I, I tell you what, we talked about this earlier, guys, off air. It's making that 
swope draw that we had a few weeks back looking better and better every day. Oh yeah, all our draws are looking better and better every day. I mean, it's been a tough stretch, but... Yeah, and then the final results of the week, uh, Salt Lake City gets its second win of the week, 4-1 over Seattle. It was Lewecki, Hoffman pick up another one, and Saucedo picked up a pair of goals uh, to give Salt Lake City the 4-1 win there. Uh, games going on as we speak. We talked about Portland, L.A., uh, Bethlehem Steel and New York Red Bulls are playing, as well as FC Cincinnati and Richmond play uh, to finish off week 16. And here are the conference standings for the West as we end the week. RSL at the top, 14-2-1 for 43 points. San Antonio in second, 10-1-5 for 35 points. Then it's Swope Park Rangers in third, 9-4-2 for 29 points. Reno is in fourth at 7-4-4 four four for 25 points with a unbelievable plus 19 goal differential. And then it's Sacramento at 7-6-4 in fifth place with 25 points and a plus 4 goal differential. Then you've got Colorado Springs in sixth, 6-6-6 six, six, six for 24 points. Seattle in 7th, 7-8-2, seven, 23 points. And holding that 8th spot, as Dominic said earlier, Tulsa at 7-8-0 for 21 points. Then we get to Rio Grande Valley in 9th, 6-7-2 for 20 points. Phoenix at 10th, 5-5-4 five, five, for 19. Oklahoma City in 11th, 5-8-3, and three, 18 points. It's Vancouver in 12th, 4-8-4. For 16 points, Orange County in 12th. I'm sorry, Orange County in 13th, 4-4 and 3 for 15 points. LA Galaxy 2 and 14th, 3-11 and 2 for 11 points. And rounding out the bottom of the standings is Portland, 2-13 and 2 with 8 points. So that rounds out the Western Conference standings for this week. We get into some news and notes for the week. Uh, first of all, congratulations to Phoenix Rising goaltender Josh Cohen not only on being named to the USL Team of the Week, he also was second in the voting in the national poll for uh, Player of the Week honors, uh, just narrowly missing out to uh, Ribeiro from Pittsburgh. He had 33% of the vote. Josh Cohen had picked up 29% of the vote. But also on top of that, Josh Cohen uh, was voted by the fans with the USL's save of the week, obviously the save off the penalty uh, from Dane Kelly in the nil-nil draw. I mean, great effort all around from Josh Cohen this week. What do you say, Dominic? Yeah, another uh, another note. Uh, in the postgame, uh, Roy Mias, the goal scorer for Orange County, he did an interview with LA Soccer Nation. You could follow them at LA Soccer Nation on Twitter. Uh, a couple, couple interviews uh, with him and Joe Franco, if you want the opposite perspective on last night's match. Roy Mias, in his interview, said, uh, we deserved the full three points, and it was very unfortunate that, uh, you know, Phoenix scored at the end. Were you watching the same game that we were? <laughs> and why were you even on the field to score that goal? Just throwing it out there. But that was... <laughs> That was something that was a little eye-opening. Um, I mean, he got a decent goal, but I, I mean, come on. Orange County did not deserve to win that game. That is outlandish. Uh, this is true. Uh, one of the other interesting notes of the week this week uh, that we'll talk about, uh, many of the fans that follow us and have followed uh, Arizona United in the past remember uh, – Reno defender Mateus Silva uh, played a few. You know he had played a few games for us at the end of last year. Well, Mateus Silva was involved in a, an incident uh, Tuesday in Reno uh, up by Lake Tahoe. Uh, he had had an incident out out on the water. Uh, was pulled from the water. Uh, was resuscitated. You know along the beach and was taken to a hospital. Uh, we're glad to report that that Silva has come out of a coma. That he is alert, that he is awake, and he is talking to people. Um, uh, just just a freak incident all the way around. Um, he was swimming out to a buoy and coming back, and the sheriff's officials there uh, seem to think that that cold water shock may have played a a, 
a big role in what happened to Mateus. Um, he didn't play in the match against LA, but you know has has seen some time with with Reno this year. Um, we're glad he's okay. Uh, that's that's the important thing. I mean, uh, I saw a Reno tweet the other day. They're looking to find the people that, that helped in in doing what they did for Mateus. Uh, you know, you, you, I, I don't think thanks is enough that you can even begin to do something like that. But uh, I, I'm sure the people of Reno will do something very classy for the people that helped out there. And and you know, we wish Mateus nothing but. Uh, uh, great health moving forward, and hopefully at some point uh, by the end of the season he'll be able to get back onto the pitch. Definitely have to echo all of that. Um, on a brighter note, uh, we were very thankful. We actually put a poll up on our Rising as One Twitter page this week, and we were very impressed by the uh, amount of responses we got. We got 36 responses, and I think there's even still time for people to get in on that. Not by the time you hear this, of course, but... Uh, you know, it, this one was, does Didier Drogba's um, on-field behavior uh, bother you? But we'll try to do one or two questions every week, uh, maybe make that a larger part of our Twitter coverage moving forward. Uh, just really something to engage people and also, you know, hear the voice of the fans. Uh, where, where are your minds at? And then we can incorporate that more as the season goes on. Did you guys see the ownership group attended a uh, MLS game in Kansas City this week? I don't know if you guys got a chance to see that tweet, the photo, and then uh, some follow-up comments there that you know they met with uh, Kansas City's ownership group, had some discussions, and also I believe I read somewhere that they uh, reviewed some plans for a stadium here in Phoenix from uh, a few different architectural firms. Yeah, I did see that. And, uh, Brett Johnson, obviously, a, a big spearhead of, of, of getting a lot of that going. And, you know... It's good to see that we're we're working with people in the, in the MLS uh, marketplace, and you know it's great to see that others are willing to work with us in trying to get situations. You know, look at look at stadium plans, look at different things. Uh, you know, again, it, we we talk about this a number of times. You got to think this is just another step forward in the process of thinking. You know how much closer we are to getting an MLS franchise. Obviously, we're still four maybe five months away from the announcement is to to the first two teams to 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 uh to be announced but you got you got to think with every passing day it's it's going to become more and more of a reality yeah i think uh the big takeaway here uh we were discussing this off air uh but it just bears repeating i was looking at the you know the scores from the opponents we've played the last few weeks and Here's a fun stat, because we're big numbers people at the Rising is One pod. The opponents that we played the last three weeks, that being away to Swope versus Monarchs and away to Reno, in their four matches this week, they outscored their opponents by a combined scoreline of 20 to 2. So what does that say? That says that we were capable of going up against three of the five hottest teams in USL and shutting them down in each occasion and two of those three were on their home turf when they could not uh find a way to beat us uh even the orange county match you know that's a team that had come in uh with a win and a draw um so they were on a pretty decent run of form themselves and again we shut them down and prevent them from getting all three and honestly we were the better team for most of that match we should have got the three points um what does that say? I think there's a ton of reason to be optimistic moving forward. Um, the standings are looking so that, you know, the top four or five teams, I would say Real, San Antonio, Swope, Reno, and Sacramento, they might not finish top five, but I think those five are going to make the playoffs. And I think on the bottom end, Vancouver, Los Dos, Timbers 2, and OKC, unless they can just really turn things around fast, those teams all seem to be out of the playoff picture, or at least they're sliding out of the playoff picture, which means there are uh, three playoff spots open for six teams. It'll be Colorado Springs, Seattle 2, Tulsa, us, RGV, um, and OC. And, you know, we played one of those teams. We got a draw away, and now we play two of those teams in the next two weeks versus Colorado Springs at Tulsa 
if we can get four points from those two games, I think we'll be in a great position to uh, jump into that top five as the season moves along. But I don't think there's any reason to panic right now. I know people are frustrated with these draws, but especially the way we were playing for most of the match, I think we're miles ahead of where we were before. Yeah, that's a great analysis there on, on our recent opponents' goal differential against other opponents. Uh, like you said, you kind of you could get a little frustrated if you just see, oh, Phoenix has four draws in a row. But when you take a, a deeper look at it, it's, we played some pretty hot teams recently, and then they go on and just outscore their opponents drastically. So, I mean, that, that speaks volumes on you know how well Phoenix is doing with picking up four draws in a row. Definitely. And uh, Jeff, do you want to add some? Some final thoughts. Yep, we'll get into some final thoughts here for the week. Um, I would echo the sentiments of you guys in saying uh, it's not time to hit the panic button. You know, draws are good, especially with the fact that most of these draws are happening away. Granted, you'd love to get three points every time when you're going on the road, but if you're getting a point and coming back home, it's better than nothing. It's better than being on the other end. I mean, if you take and we lose three, you know, we're sitting 12th, 13th in the standings, and then we're saying at this point we may not be vying for a playoff spot. So take these draws, you know, as a positive. It may not be the exact result everybody wants, but, hey, working towards the goal, the goal is there. The players know the goal is there. The, The ownership group knows the goal is there. And so... Uh, for sure, you know, that is, you know, I, I look at these draws as positive. That's the way I've been looking at them. I'm not, I'm not looking at them negatively. You know, obviously we can all disagree about formations and, and run of play and stuff like that. But the positive results that, that we're taking right now definitely will help us as we move forward. Matt? Yeah, so I have a few final thoughts. You know, Phoenix Rising made a new uh, team record in USL play of having a five-game unbeaten streak. Um, so that that was pretty good news. Um, you know, in the recent draws, as we've said, they're not bad. I mean, um, the last four draws, th- um, three of those teams are in the top four of the Western Conference. And as Dominic mentioned, I mean, they're just outscoring their other opponents hand over fist there. So, you know, when you take that all into consideration... Things are looking pretty good for Phoenix, I feel, when we, you know, as we're approaching this halfway through the season. I kind of see this this phase in the season, this period in the season, as kind of a stabilization for Phoenix. You know, since Drogba and Carterone joined the team, we haven't lost, and we've kind of been we've been drawing against some tough opponents. Before that, it was kind of every other match we'd win or draw, and then we'd lose, win or draw, lose. So this is kind of like a nice kind of bouncing things out getting things cleared, settled down, and, you know, this is also during our toughest stretch, too, of the season. So that's super positive from the, our perspective. Um, so I, I see Phoenix climbing up in the standings as the season continues. Uh, just a couple other things I want to note is, you know, these draws are great. You know, it's good to pick up points when you can, especially against these teams we've been playing. But I still really am wanting to see a, a nice game where we have a big goal differential of, you know, Three, three to zero, four to one, something where we can kind of wipe that deficit of our negative four goal differential because that could become critical for us later on in the season. Um, so, you know, hopefully we'll have that coming soon. You know, if we play Los Dos again, we could easily get some goals there, but I don't, I don't know if we're playing them again. Hope to see Rigi out on the pitch soon and uh, would like to maybe see Uzo out on the field soon. I don't know what the status is with him, if they're just not ready to put him out there because of his fitness level, uh, or if they're trying out some other options. And then uh, hope to see Jason Johnson back in the lineup next upcoming week. Uh, yeah, I mean, lots of good stuff. Um, maybe maybe for me, just a couple of notes. Not even as much with the team. I think I got my two cents out for that. But uh, actually, over the next couple of weeks, I think we're going to have some great podcasting material um, I have a friend who has, you know, very involved in uh, writing about U.S. soccer domestically, the national team. He follows USL pretty closely. I'm going to have him on the show to discuss MLS expansion uh, and to talk about USL players in the Gold Cup right now. Um, Phoenix Rising doesn't have any, 
but a lot of the two teams have guys in the USL or uh, guys in the Gold Cup. Um, people that you might want to keep your eye on, especially the El Salvador uh, and Jamaica teams, I know have a couple guys that are making their presence felt. So I'll have him on to discuss that. Um, hopefully, uh, I can get um, someone who's uh, a professor from my professional sports law class last semester, but she's also uh, been a soccer agent for a lot of players. Have her to come on and discuss uh, how Phoenix is looking as a potential MLS market and, you know, from her perspective as an agent, why it's been such a strong destination for a lot of players, um, a lot of international players too. I mean, Drogba, Carterone come to mind, Bravo. Um, what are our selling points as a market? And so we'll have her hopefully come on next week uh, to get that audio. So we should have some really great content. One last note too, uh, we're playing Colorado Springs and Tulsa the next two weeks. They are both on the BGN network uh, group of podcasts. So I'll try reaching out to them and maybe speak to them for a few minutes um, to get some more information about those matches before they happen. Um, so we'll, we'll hopefully be getting a lot of good content your way in the next couple of weeks. And hopefully we're going to have a special guest next week. Um, we're, we're reaching out to this week as we speak, and we've been trying to coordinate things, and we're hoping that we'll have that special guest with us next week. Uh, keep an eye on the Rising is One podcast uh, Twitter site. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll tweet information there as soon as we hear what's going on with that guest, and we'll put it on our Facebook page as well and let you guys know uh, whether, whether that guest will be coming or not. So, uh, At this point, if there's nothing else uh, to talk about, uh, we'll wrap up this episode of the Rising is One podcast. We thank you guys for listening as always. Please check us out on our Twitter page at Rising Pod. Uh, give us some shout outs on iTunes. Follow us at the BGN Network. Listen to, to not only our podcast, but podcasts from all around the USL there. And if you have any questions, comments, uh, please reach out to us and we'll be more than happy to talk about them. So for Dominic and for Matt, this is Jeff Went signing off saying thank you guys for listening and have a great day. The legend did it again. The Drogba <laughs> difference. <laughs>